Give me one more. Good morning, church. Good to see all of you today. We are so glad that you are here uh, for our fall kickoff. I want to welcome those that are with us online. We're glad that you are a part of things this morning, uh, as well as I want to welcome those that are here for the first time. I've already got to meet a number of people who are here for the very first time this morning. Uh, we're grateful that you're here. We hope you have a great experience. Uh, maybe you're here just for the first time walking in the door. Maybe you're here because uh, one of your friends or family is getting baptized. We just know this is going to be a great day, and we would love the opportunity uh, to connect with you, to serve with you today, all right? Uh, before I dive into our message this morning as we kick off a brand new series, uh, I just want to highlight one opportunity that's coming up in a month, and I want to make sure you all are aware of that. Uh, we are doing something this October, beginning October 4th, called a Fall Session. Uh, for those who haven't been around in a while, it's been a while since we've offered one of these. Uh, fall session is a six-week session on Wednesday night that's happening for the whole family. So beginning October 4th and running six Wednesdays in a row from 6.30 until 8 o'clock, uh, we're inviting you to come be a part of an experience. There's normal youth like our normal experience. There's also kids programming for early childhood as well as elementary. They're going to have a session going for those six weeks. In addition, there's an opportunity. Amber's going to be leading a session along with a few other ladies for the women right here in this room. It's going to be a great opportunity. And then I'm going to be leading a session for men with a, with a few other guys here on Wednesday nights. And so there's something for everyone. Our, our adult se sessions, the uh, men's and women's, are around tables, but there's going to be big teaching as well as uh, small groups around tables. It's a great opportunity if you're like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable, but I also don't know anybody, and I'd love an opportunity to meet some people. This is going to be one of those opportunities where we dig in together, build relationship, and encourage it's something for the whole family. And so we're going to open registration for that next Sunday, but just want you to be aware of that opportunity. Start thinking about that beginning October 4th, all right? Cool. Well, uh, who's excited for football to start? Too excited. Where are the Vikings fans at? Give, me the, give it to me, Vikings fans. Where are you at? There you are. Where are my Bears fans at? Bears fans, come on. A couple of you. I know there's a, I'm sure I'm a Chicago boy. That's what happens, okay? Where are the Packers? Nope, we're not going to let you even talk. Boo. Okay, whatever. We love football, whatever. It's not okay. We love football. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever played fantasy football. Raise your hand. Anybody ever played fantasy football? A lot of you have played fantasy football at some point in time. If you don't know what fantasy football is, uh, it's like you're the manager of a fictitious team, and you draft players onto your team, and you get points based on how those players do. I mean, I've done fantasy football. I'm in two leagues right now. Um, I, I was going to joke, Pastor Jordan, our youth pastor, I was going to joke how he's in like four leagues. Um, and I went and I asked him, how many leagues are you in this fall? And the correct number is 43. He has 43 fantasy football teams, which made me realize I need to give him more things to do because clearly he has too much time on his hands, clearly. Right? Um, but here's the truth. If you played fantasy football, you totally get this. Here's the truth about fantasy football. Everybody is making guesses, okay? Nobody really knows what's going to happen in a season. Like everybody drafted their teams like a week ago, and then on Tuesday, one of the best or the best tight end in football ended up hurting himself, didn't even play in the first game. You know, it's like you don't really know what's going to happen. Everybody's just, it's glorified guessing. But hear this. Too many of us treat faith in Jesus the same way. We're just guessing. We don't really know who Jesus is. We don't really know what Jesus values we take what we've learned, maybe we learned in our upbringing, 
Maybe from every once in a while we hear a, hear a message from somebody and that's where we get it. Maybe from family, maybe culture, what other people have said. We take all this stuff together and we make assumptions. Like I've heard people say this before. I've heard them say, well, I, I think Jesus is like. Or I've heard other people say, well, Jesus would, would never do something like that. Jesus, this is absolutely what Jesus would do in this circumstance. And that's great, but the problem is so often our assumptions or what we think Jesus would or wouldn't do or what he is like is more informed by our preferences and our values than by anything Jesus ever said. I would just say this, that if our version of Jesus' preferences and values looks just like us, we should probably be worried because it probably isn't his values. It's ours. A.W. Tozer is a, one of my favorite quotes of all time. And the quote says this, what comes into our mind when we think about God, and I would say this, what comes into our mind when we think about Jesus is the most important thing about us. It has the potential to transform our lives. And so with this in mind, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series this morning over the next seven weeks. The series is called Jesus in His own words. We're not going to look at your opinion. We're not going to look at my opinion. No, we're, over the next seven weeks, we are going to let Jesus tell us who he is. He is going to define himself. We're going to look through the gospel of John, and we're going to dig into these statements. There are a bunch of statements, these I am statements, where Jesus describes who he is. And I believe these statements have the potential to change your life. They have the potential to bring life to your life if we'll actually listen to what he has to say and receive him as he is, not as we wish or think he is. Some of you have been around faith. Like some of you, you've been to church, you've been around church a little bit. Maybe it's been a while since you've been to church, hopping around, or maybe you're exploring faith. You're new to faith. You're just, in the, you're just here today because somebody invited you. Whatever that is, I'm really, really glad that you're here. You're gonna get a picture of what Jesus is really like in his own words not culture's version of Jesus. But for those of you who call yourself a follower of Jesus, and my guess is the majority of this room would say, yep, I'm here. I show up on Sundays because I call myself a follower of Jesus. Your view of Jesus is going to be challenged. And I'm gonna force us all to ask this question throughout this series. It's this, does the way I live my life reflect the reality of who Jesus is? Because it's one thing, he is who he is. But is it actually impacting us? That's what we're going to ask ourselves through this series. I'm really excited to preach this. I think this is going to be a series that is filled with hope. If you need some hope, this is filled with hope. This is going to be a series filled with life as we are reminded of the good news of who our God and our Savior is. And today we're going to begin with the, I'm not exaggerating, the most important question that every human on earth must answer. We're going to dig in it together, all right? If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 8? John chapter 8, beginning in verse number 15. Uh, if you're new here, this is just something we do. Uh, we stand together when we read our primary text. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me along the room. There's no, nothing sacred about it. It's our tradition. We say, God, we honor your words over my words. John chapter 8, beginning in verse number 51. This is Jesus speaking, all right? Verse number 51. It says, very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. 
Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to Jesus. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. I'm going to ask you to do something if you're comfortable to do so. Would you put your hand over your heart? I just want to pray over us together. Father, today you are going to bring us the most important revelation this side of eternity. And so, God, I'm asking for every heart in this room. God, I'm not here to convince anyone. I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, would lead us, would guide us, would reveal Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. How many of you movie people? Any, any movie people? Okay, some of you like movies. I don't mind a movie. I'm not like a massive movie person, but, but I love those moments in movies. If, you're, if you do like movies, that, that moment in the movie when everything comes together. You know that moment in the movie where like the story, all this story comes to this culminating moment and the music crescendos and there's like this epic moment and sometimes there's this moment where a line gets spoken. If, you, if you're anybody Star Wars fans or anything, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know the moment in the movie where you Luke, I am your father. It's just like, oh my gosh, this was all, like it just changes everything. The passage that we just read is just like that. It's a mic drop drop moment. It's one of those moments, I would say it's the most dramatic and significant passages in the entire Bible. But if you don't understand what Jesus is saying here, then you miss what's actually going on in the text. And so I want to give you a little bit of context. We always say, what's the context of this passage? You got to understand what's going on. Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews, right? He's, he's talking and he's teaching all these kind of things. If you read the whole chapter before the passage that we just read, you can hear this back and forth as Jesus shares something and the Jews are kind of coming back at him and they're, they're a little confused at times, right? And, and Jesus is trying to teach them who he is and how it is they need to relate to him. Uh, but the Jews keep getting confused. They get frustrated. And honestly, they start to get a little bit angry with him because his teachings are meddling with their view of what God is like. They're struggling with it. They're like, we don't really understand this. You can see it through the text. And then we get to the passage that we just read and things get a little bit more intense and they get more tense in the conversation. See, the Jews accuse Jesus of being demon-possessed. See, they said, this guy's demon-possessed. Jesus is just talking. He's just making proclamations. He's making promises. And the crowd is saying, this guy's demon-possessed. What they're saying is, this guy is crazy. We don't understand him. We don't like him. Something must be off. Oh, he must be demon-possessed. That's what they're thinking. And so we go to the passage here, and what did Jesus say? Jesus starts by saying, Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Will never see death. He's making a promise to them, and it's a promise that they're a little confused by. Now, first off, you have to understand, he's not saying they'll never die physically. 
He's speaking of a spiritual death in that point, okay? They'll never experience. If you listen, if you obey me, if you follow me, Jesus is promising you will not experience spiritual death. But these people, they don't like, they know like he's making a big statement here. This is a, this is a big deal. And so you look at what their response is. They said, at this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon possessed. Now we know you're crazy. You're off your rocker, Jesus. You got issues. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Now you have to understand, Abraham was the beginning of the Jewish religion and faith, right? He was the starting point, right? And they're saying this Abraham, right? Abraham, he died. Okay, if the most important person in this face died, what do you think is going to happen to us? There's no way we're not going to experience death. He goes on, Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death? Are you greater than Father Abraham? You see, they understood what Jesus was starting to get at here. Like they honored Abraham above anybody else, right? Abraham, he's our father of our, of our whole faith. And Jesus is starting to meddle with them a little bit. He goes on and Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim is your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. He's, he's, he's putting their entire belief system into question. You think you know God, right? You don't even know God. You have no idea who he is. You've totally strayed away from this whole faith. He gets even stronger. He says, though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I do not know, I would be a liar like you, but I know him and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. See, the stuff that Jesus is saying here, it's a little confusing and it's over the top. Imagine someone coming to you and saying, hey, yeah, the, the, the person you honor more than anybody else in your faith, yeah, 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 that, you need, you need to set that aside. You're confused. You don't even get it. You're lost when it comes to faith. Right? You need to get your eyes on me. Look at me for a second. Quit looking at Abraham and stuff. You're, you're confused. Come look at me. Like, this is bold stuff that Jesus is proclaiming here. He's meddling with their whole way of thinking. He goes on and he says this. You are not yet 50 years old, they said, and you have seen Abraham? See, he's talking like, like I've seen Abraham, like I know Abraham. They're like, you... How could you see Abraham? Literally, historically, we're talking like 12, 1,300 years earlier than him. And so this, these people are confused. They're lost. They don't understand. What are you getting at, Jesus? You're making these crazy proclamations. Have you ever talked to a big talker before? You're like obnoxious people who seem like they got a story for everything. You're like, yeah, sure, that happened. Okay, right? Jesus is acting that way right now. They're like, he's being a big talker. Like, he's talking a big game. And I don't really think I, I don't know that I can trust what he's saying right now. Really, Jesus? That's what you're saying? You're, you're before Abraham like that? You know, you're not. You're like 30 years old. That's not reality. And then Jesus makes the mic drop moment where he says this. Very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And if this was a movie, that's where the swell of the music would happen. The mic gets dropped and everybody's like, oh. <gasps> But to understand what he's saying there, you've got to have a little bit of context for that. And so I want to go back to the book of Exodus. Because there's a story in the book of Exodus that helps us understand, like, what in the world, like, I am, what in the world does that even mean? 
the book of Exodus, uh, God calls a man named Moses to go rescue his people. His people are in slavery. So he raises up a man named Moses and he calls him. Says, hey, come, I want you to go and rescue my people. And this Moses says, okay, okay. And he asks this question. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. This is God's people. Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Which is a pretty honest question. Like, if you're going to send me these people, what am I supposed to say? Like, they're going to think I'm crazy if I just show up. What am I supposed to say? And this is how God responds. God says to Moses, I am who I am. See, in this text, we understand that there's this sense of God is is not this created being. No, he is the constant. He is the firm. He is the reliable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that never changes. He says, I am who I am. And he says, this is what you say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. Do you now understand why the passage we just read, the Jews were ready to stone Jesus? He's not... He's not messing around with them. You know, Jesus isn't getting up there saying, hey, I'm kind of an important person. You know, I'm kind of like one of those prophets. You, could, you should somewhat pay attention to the things I say. I tell really good stories. You should listen to the stories I tell. No, Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying this, you Jews, you know the God you worship. You know, that God that you worship, the one that you, you know, honor with all of your life, the one that you're constantly sacrificing, the one that you're constantly giving of your life. You're constantly changing your behavior to honor him, that God. You know, the, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who breathed the breath of life into Adam, the God that, that called Abraham to build a people, the God who miraculously rescued his people from slavery, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who led his people with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, the God of all power and authority who is seated high and above all thrones and rulers and powers and dominions, the King of kings, the Lord of Lord, whose kingdom will never end. That's who I am. See, Jesus didn't come making some soft statement about his identity. He was very, very clear who he said he was. See, in the world that we live in, people generally in our culture generally don't love Christians these days, okay? But they do like Jesus, even non-believers honor Jesus in some way. They think, yeah, oh, he's a good guy, good moral teacher, good positive things about him. People refer to him as this, these types of things. But, but I've heard people say that, you know, they assert that Jesus, well, Jesus never actually claimed to be God. But this passage flies in the face of that reality. Jesus confidently claimed him. And this is a truth, a core truth we have to understand is that Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. He didn't mince words. He didn't dance around. No, he claimed as clear there was a reason they picked up stones to stone him. Jesus was not messing around. <laughs> he knew what he was saying. And then he died and arose again to prove it. And so as we close here this morning, I, I, I want to ask the question, what does this mean for us? And there's two things if, that, that I just think we have to understand. If Jesus is who he said he is. If Jesus is who he said he is, then there's two things that are true. The first thing is this. You can't ignore him. You can't ignore Jesus. If he is who he said he is, you can't ignore him. 
I know there's some people that are like, well, I, I don't really know about this faith thing. I just, I haven't really leaned in, you know. And so you say, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of stay out of the weeds. I'm just, it's not my thing. Well, here's the reality. If he is who he said he is, then you have actually two options. You can accept him or you can deny him. There is no ignoring him. Ignoring Jesus is a decision to deny him. It's a decision to say, I'm not, I'm not following this Jesus. No, nope, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Because hear this, if he is who he said he is, he made some crazy bold th- statements. He said he is the authority. He said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He said that he is the one to follow. He is the one that we are called to live after. He is the judge. He made some crazy bold statements. And if he is who he said he is, you can't ignore him. You either accept him or you deny him, but you don't get to ignore him. But there's a second thing that's true as well, and it's this. If he is who he said he is, you can trust him. If he is who he said he is, you can trust him. If he truly is king of kings, if he truly is Lord of lords, then that means he has all authority. And when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you can trust him. When he says, I'll come and save and redeem you, you can trust him. When he said, I will give you life and life abundant, you can trust him. You, can, you might not be able to trust in other people in this world. You not, might not be able to trust in other leaders in this world, but you can trust the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he said, I came, Jesus said this, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Who is that? It's you and me. It's those of us who have sinned. It's those of us who have fallen away from our God and our creator. And he says, listen, I can save and redeem you. If he is who he said he is, then we can trust him. And there's some of you here this morning that desperately, desperately need to trust Jesus. And so I want to close this morning with a big so what. You always say, so what, what's the point of this thing? If you forget anything else that I've shared this morning, I want, I want to close with a question. And the question is this. What are you going to do with Jesus? Really? What are you going to do with Jesus? I told you this is the most important question that you can answer. Every human being on earth must answer this question. What are we going to do with Jesus. I said, you don't get to ignore him. You either receive him or you deny him. There is no middle ground. What are you going to do? And I asked the question very personally because it really doesn't matter what your mama did with Jesus. It doesn't matter how your, how your father has responded to Jesus. It doesn't really matter how your siblings have responded to Jesus. It doesn't really matter how your grandma responded to Jesus. It doesn't matter how your spouse is responding. What matters is what are you going to do with Jesus? Several years ago, I had a, a friend of mine who was in a place of wrestling in their faith. And uh, they had grown up in faith. They had grown up following Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus. But they hit a point in life where some really hard stuff happened. They were hurt by a lot of people. And they had gotten sideways a little bit in, in their way of thinking. And... They had been hurt by leaders in a church. They had been hurt by other people in a church. 
And for that reason, they had walked away from faith for a season. And I had a few conversations with this person and, uh, and I could hear them starting to once again kind of revive some of those questions about faith. You could see that there was some interest in faith again. But what I was hearing over and over again was, man, this, but these people and this stuff and the church is this and the church is that and all these kind of things. But I still could hear like this questioning, well, yeah, but Jesus, I like some of these things about what Jesus has said, but I don't really know about some of these things that Jesus has said. And we finally got to the point in the conversation where I said, I, I understand everything that you, you, you said to me. Because some of you have had the same experience. You've had, you know what? Church is messy. Can we be honest? Like some of you have been hurt by people in church. You just have. Like you, don't even, you don't like church because of the things that you've experienced with other people. They've given a, a bad picture of what faith is like. I'm like, I get that. Guess what? Sometimes I give a bad picture of what faith is like. I said, listen, I know you've experienced some hard things. I know you've walked through some hard things. And I know you're wrestling this faith thing. But at the end of the day, the question you have to ask yourself is, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do? Because if he is who he said he is, there's only one rightful decision to make. It's to submit your life to him. Even if you don't agree, if you don't like everything you say, Christ, if you're truly king of kings, if you are the God of all creation, I'm going to submit my life to you. If you're not going to do that, then just walk away. Don't waste your time. There's no sense in playing the middle ground. And see, this is where Jesus places himself in front of every single one of us. In Revelation chapter 3, it actually says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is standing before every single one of us saying, Hey, I'm knocking at the door. The question, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Anybody got a ring doorbell? Somebody got one of the camera on your... Have you ever seen one of those cameras outside of a house? Uh, it's kind of funny sometimes. I can creep on it. You know, people ring the doorbell and I pull the camera up and I can see them out there, you know, picking their nose or doing whatever. They don't realize I'm watching them. But every time that happens, when I see them on the camera, I recognize that they're standing there and I'm the one in control. They've rung the doorbell. They've acknowledged that they want to talk to me. The question is, do I want to talk to them? <laughs> do I want to go open this door? Do I want to go have this conversation? I'm the one who gets the control in that moment. And it's crazy that the God of all creation has given us the opportunity to have the control about whether or not we want to respond to him or not. You're the one standing on the other side of the door. He isn't opening it from the outside. You're the one who gets to open it from the inside. There's some of you here this morning that you would say, you know what, I've never, I've never responded to Christ. I've never invited him into my life. I've never surrendered my life. This morning, I'm gonna give you an opportunity in a moment to respond to Jesus. Because if he is truly King of kings and Lord of lords, and he said, listen, I can save you, I can redeem you, I can restore you, and I can give you life and life everlasting, you can trust that. But it requires you to open the door to say, God, I invite you in. But for everybody else who calls yourself a follower of Christ, my question is, have you been keeping the door open lately? Because how many of you know we can live a lot, our lives with Jesus standing on the front step, not inviting him into every circumstance, every situation, every relationship, 
going through our business, people watching our life saying, you know what, there's nothing about their life that looks any different than my life. Christ hasn't been invited. We, we don't live differently. We don't think differently. We don't act differently. We don't have a different hope. Jesus is, in, figuratively speaking, it's as if he's still standing on the front step and we just refuse to open the door. It's been a while. And this morning, I think it's an opportunity as we begin a new season, as we step into the fall, it's a new season. It's a great time to turn the page a little bit in our lives. Say, God, I need, I need to come back to you a little bit. I need to open the door again and invite you back in. You know, I, I need to have this relationship with you again. I need a refreshing in my relationship with you because it's gotten a little cold. I've been just living on my own. I want to give every single one of us an opportunity to respond to Jesus. He's standing at the door. Will you open the door? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes across the room? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. You are the great I am. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. But God, sometimes we treat you like a little trophy on the shelf that we pull out every once in a while when we want to look at it. God, forgive us of that. Lord, you deserve the highest place. And Father, you have given us opportunity to have restored relationship with God. You've given us the opportunity to be saved, to be rescued, to be redeemed. God, I pray that we would respond to you, Jesus. Lord, you're not just some fictitious character in a book. You are King of Kings. We need you, Lord Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed this morning, there's some of you here this morning if you were honest, you would say, you know what? I have never opened the door of my life and my heart to Jesus. If he is who he said he is, I've never received him. I've never responded to him. I've never surrendered my life to him as the king of my life. And therefore, I, I have no confidence in eternal life. If that's you this morning, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart, simply knocking, saying, would you invite me in? Would you allow me into your life? Would you allow me to bring hope to your life? Would you allow me to give you a brand new start? Would you allow me to give you a, a redeemed life where, where I take the hurts of your past and I make something beautiful out of them, where I take the ashes of your life and make something beautiful out of it? Would you allow me to do that in your life? I'll do it if you just simply will open the door and surrender your life to me. With every head bow and every eye closed this morning, if the if you are here and you'd like to say, yes, I need Jesus, I need to surrender, I want to open the door of my heart to Jesus and surrender to him as the king of my life. If that's you, would you just lift a hand across the room and say, yeah, I need to respond to Jesus right now. Yeah, yeah. Say, yes, Jesus, I need you. Yeah. Around the room. I'm not going to rush this moment. Several hands raised already. If that's you, just lift your hand where you are. It's the most important decision to ask a question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Put your hands down. If you're with us online, I would encourage you to respond. I'm going to invite the whole room to respond. And if, if you raise a hand and want to respond to Jesus, I just encourage you to pray this from your heart. Would you all repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for coming to earth for dying for me and raising again to new life. I acknowledge that you are king and I make you the king of my life. Forgive me of my sin. 
Wash me clean and help me to live for you. I submit my life to you. Help me to live every day for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna continue to respond for a moment. And I wanna just give every single person, just I'm gonna give you 30 seconds on your own right now, okay? On your own. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to just simply say, Jesus, I open my heart to you again today. For some of you, you did that this morning already. Awesome. For others of you, it's been a while. And I want to give you 30 seconds as the band just kind of plays some music in the background. I want you to just say, Jesus, I'm gonna, I, want, I want to come to you in a fresh and a new. I want this next season, this fall season, to be a season where I'm pursuing you like never before, where my heart has opened you like never before. All right? Let me give you a moment. Would you just respond on your own to Jesus? Thank you.